Hello and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of AZ Vineyard Church. This week, enjoy the podcast as truth is revealed in God's Word. Go get a notebook, grab a Bible, and expect to have an encounter with God today. All right. <clears throat> yeah, I, I want to echo what Pastor John said about the worship team. You know, when, when stuff like that happens and you guys play through it, it blesses us. Yeah. And, and you saw the difference. Uh, could you feel the difference when, when they pressed through and continued to play and the Holy Spirit began to move? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a different atmosphere that, that occurred. Well, I am, uh, I'm always tremendously honored to share the word with the AZ Vineyard family. And thank you, uh, live stream audience, for being here. We're, we're glad that you're there and you're watching. And, and uh, we pray that you'll press into this as, as much as we are here locally. Uh, I was praying about this message and... Uh, the, the word I've been getting since the beginning of the year um, is intimacy. And uh, intimacy with God and intimacy with, with each other is, is what I keep hearing from the Lord. And that is also one of our permeating values here at AZ Vineyard. And you're going to be hearing more and more about the permeating values as, as we go on into this year. But as I was pressing into intimacy and asking the Lord, what how, how do you want this presented? I really felt impressed upon my heart. I had had conversations with some other people and with Karen, my wife, and, and um, we talked about it in our pastor's meeting, and, and we were just sensing and feeling that there were a lot of people that were struggling with disappointment. And that uh, I felt like the message that I was to share this week was uh, how to handle disappointment through intimacy with God and with other people. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you. We thank you that you are here with us. We submit ourselves to you and surrender ourselves fully to you. And we look forward to the good work that you're going to do in people's hearts today. Start with me. Touch everyone here. That, that everyone will walk out of here different than they walked in. Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue to do the work that you started in worship. And we look forward to a great harvest that comes out of this. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have, you know, I, I think we can all agree that... that we went through a rough year last year. Uh, for some people, maybe the worst year they've ever had. Uh, we, we experienced, you know, all kinds of crazy, crazy things. The, the, the COVID virus and, you know, people dying from that and, and lives being changed, people losing their jobs and uh, just all that was going on with the, the uh, uh, violent protests and the looting and the the volatile election that we just had and and out of all of that and all the things that went on individually in our own lives there it, it you know it it wouldn't be unusual for us to experience some disappointment and so so the the lord the sense i've got is the lord wants to come and kind of wrap his arms around each one of us right now and, and help us through that. Help us get beyond that 
disappointment and, and get on into the hope and, and the joy that he has for us. So I looked up, uh, I looked up disappointed in the Merriam-Webster dictionary because I was just curious, what, what is the definition of, of disappointed? And the dictionary defines it as defeated in expectation or hope. Defeated in expectation or hope. Now, we talk a lot about hope, but that's a different kind of hope than what he's talking, what this is talking about. This, this is talking about our own expectations and hope. We can tag in to the hope of the Lord. We can tag into his hope and, and get in with that, or we can try to do that on our own and have our own hope and our own expectations. And, and so I, I felt the Lord prompting me to share with you some of my own disappointments. I think that it's good for us to be open and transparent and, and share our own, our own struggles uh, because none of us, none of us are perfect. None of us are going to, you know, be able to go through life without some type of disappointment. So um, I was kind of, I was going back through my life and, and uh, you know, they say when you die, you, you go you know, you see your life flash before you. Well, I wasn't dying, but it was kind of flashing before me like that. And I, yep, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. And then I got to the year 2014. And uh, for those, those of you who know us, you know that uh, we lived in Washington State for a lot of years, and we moved down uh, here to the Phoenix area in 2011. And uh, we, we came down here uh, with a a, a really solid, prosperous business that we operated through the internet, and it uh, was providing the income we needed so that we could be in ministry without having to generate income in ministry. And that had, that had always been my heart. I wanted to be like Paul, who was a tent maker and didn't, didn't really need to get money from the church. Well, in, in uh, about 2012 this business started to fail and it, it, it just didn't make any sense. We couldn't quite figure out exactly why. There were a few circumstances, but it still, we should have been able to make it recover and, and, and it wasn't. And so by uh, 2014, uh, it, was, it was pretty much gone. The, the income was gone and we had really felt that this was a business that was going to uh, take us into retirement, provide our retirement income. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur most of my life, and so we didn't have, we didn't have a 401k. We didn't have a you know, retirement plan through the company we'd worked for for 30 years. And so this business was going to provide our retirement, and suddenly we were faced with it was gone. It was just gone. And uh, at age 59, Karen and I both were also faced with the fact that we had to go find a job. And we hadn't worked jobs for a long time. And, you know, just the idea of putting a resume together and going out and interviewing. I mean, oh, that was daunting. Uh, I mean, totally daunting. And, and the Lord blessed that process uh, Karen, Karen was able to secure something quicker than I was. Uh, it, it took me about a year to, 
to finally get a job and I you know, was faced with these interviews where it was really clear there was some age discrimination there and, and I was fully qualified for jobs and yet you know, didn't even get a second interview. And, and so, so there was all of that that was going on and so this, this great amount of disappointment was there. Disappointment that, that this hadn't worked out the way that we thought that uh, our expectation and our hope was not being fulfilled. So I finally found a job in 2015 and, and uh, just was, had high favor in this job, was blessed and, and uh, a lot of money started coming in. We began banking that money and again thinking, you know, our expectation was that that was, oh, here's our retirement money now. You know, here, this is it. This is, we're just going to continue to bank this money and we'll be able to retire with that money. Yeah. <clears throat> and then... Along came a, another circumstance where uh, the church we were at, we'd been at for a while, and, and uh, I had been uh, interacting and, and working with the senior pastor there, and uh, he wanted to be able to kind of step into a, a different type of role with the church, and he wanted me to come on board as the executive pastor. And that was a dream job for me. It was just the absolute perfect. It fit perfectly with the, the way that I'm gifted in ministry. And, and so, uh, so I said yes. And, and uh, after working this job, I had taken a year to find for seven months. I uh, went in and resigned from the job. I helped the company to interview and hire my replacement. And, uh, and the, the day before... We were going to, I was going to start this position. There were some things that came up and then some things that kind of continued on from there and they made the determination they couldn't afford to hire me. So I never actually started. Never even started the job. Wow. Disappointment. Just terrible disappointment. 2016 was that year. One of the most difficult years of my life. I was now unemployed again. I was highly disappointed in all that had gone on. I was struggling with God over all of this. Why was this happening? Why did it not go the way that I thought it was going to go? Why didn't, I not, why didn't it not go the way I thought you were leading? You know, and, and I'm having these conversations with the Lord. And, and he, he was gracious because he had given us this lump of money that we were able to live off of while I began to hunt for another job, but it also gave me the freedom to be able to just press into Him and, and, and to learn about Him and His love and how much He loved me. The, the song that we sang that said He paid the greatest price and it reminded me of uh, something my, my spiritual mentor said years ago that had a huge impact on me. He, he said that in, in life, we know what has the greatest value by what someone is willing to pay for it. Whether it's a jewel, whether it's a painting, whether it's a car, a boat, a house, the more someone is willing to pay for it, the higher the value. And Jesus paid the highest price ever paid for you and me. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? If you can grasp that one concept, it'll... It'll revolutionize your life. It'll totally change the way you think of God and Jesus and, and what Jesus did for us. 
So that, that was a freebie that wasn't even in my notes. You don't, don't have to pay for that one. That one's worth the, the uh, admission price today. Just that one thing, if you just take that one thing. So you can see here that there, there was some great disappointment that I faced. And I, there were many other things that came in there that were part of that. It was just kind of like one thing after another that happened in that time frame. But the good thing that came out of it was that I gained greater intimacy with the Lord. And, and that's what carried me through. So, so the disappointments continued to come, but I was even able to weather them because of, of my intimacy with the Lord. And that resulted also in intimacy with other people, with brothers and sisters out there who came alongside me and prayed for me and encouraged me through the, through the process. So I want to talk today about how do we handle disappointment through intimacy with God and through intimacy with each other. So I'm going to start with intimacy with the Lord. A couple weeks ago, Pastor John spoke about worship. And he said something that I, I hope you caught uh, because it, it, it really connected, connected with me and it connects with this message. He said that when you know Jesus, you know His worth and your worth. When you know Jesus... You know, His worth, it's why we sing. It's, it's not a song service, like Pastor John said. We're singing because He's worthy. He's worthy of us worshiping and praising Him. Yes. And when we understand that, when we understand His worth, and the fact that He was willing to die for us, we begin to understand our worth. And we begin to operate out of that. Then last week, Pastor Sandy talked about going deeper, and that's, that's her word for the year, and it's, it's a word for our body as well, because you have to go deeper to have intimacy with the Lord or with each other. You, you can't do either one on the surface. <laughs> it's just not going to work. You got to go deeper. And she said something that also really struck me. She talked about how she was a fiercely independent woman. And I think a lot of us have been fiercely independent, right? But we're to be fiercely dependent, fiercely dependent on the Lord. Yeah. That's a tough thing. But if we're going to go deeper, and if we're going to have intimacy with the Lord, that's what we've got to do. We've got to become fiercely dependent on Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus requires us to be wholehearted. We can't be divided. We can't be double-minded. We can't have our heart over here and over here. We can't have our heart in the world and our heart with Jesus. We've got to be wholehearted. We've got to give Him everything. Give Him, give him our whole heart, our, our mind, our will, our emotions, our actions. Unfortunately, that requires us to die a death that we resist dying. It's the dying to self. It's the picking up our cross and following Jesus. We resist that. Our flesh resists that. Our soul resists that. Our spirit wants to go. But the rest of us is saying, eh, I don't know about that. That's pretty costly to do that. I'm going to have to give up 
all my stuff if I'm going to do that. Jason, thank you for your, your word today. Because there's, a, there's an old saying in the church that the last thing to get saved is a person's wallet. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to, to release that and let him be provider. And not think that we've got to do it. So thank you for that word. I think that blessed a lot of people here. So intimacy requires that wholehearted surrender to him. We must die that death to self. And we must fully surrender. And we have a tendency to resist that. We resist yielding to him. We resist surrendering our all to him. And yet if we would do that, our life would be even better. He will take care of the things that, that we need better than we can do ourselves. In Romans 6, 3 through 4, Paul says, Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? We joined him in his death. For we died... And we're buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. There's the good news right there. That when Jesus went to the cross, he took our sins on the cross. It was as if we were there on the cross. It was as if we died on the cross with him. It was as if we were buried in the tomb. It was as if we were resurrected out of the tomb into a new life. Man, if we can get that, it'll change our lives. We've got to join Jesus in our death. We've got to die to ourself. We've got to die to our selfish wants and needs and surrender all to him. Dying with Christ means intimacy with Jesus. When we, when we die to Christ, when we die to ourselves, when we put the flesh down, then we can live that new resurrected life. And I was praying and I was asking, you know, and, and thinking through my own life, what are some things that have uh, that are required in order to have intimacy with Jesus. And, and there are a lot of them. But I'm going to talk about five of them here quickly. The first is casting off apathy. I think this is the, the thing that has hindered the church, not just this church, but the church, the big C church in, in all of the world. This is, this is what's hindered the church's growth and, ex, and expansion particularly here in the United States, is a spirit of apathy. And this spirit of apathy takes, takes on a lot of different faces. But basically, it, it's an, uh, it can be an I don't really care. I've got too much going on in my life. I can't be worrying about somebody else. I can't be helping somebody else. I can't be talking to someone else. It, it can be a laziness just a spiritual laziness of, I don't have time to get into the Word of God. I don't have time to pray. I don't know how to pray. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to show up at church every once in a while and, and get my little tidbit every week and, and hope to live off of that. Folks, you can't do that. You've got to have it all. You've got to have it all. You need, you need a meal. You need three meals at least of Jesus every day to keep you alive. And you should have more than that if you want to really excel 
in, in life. So we've got to cast off apathy. We've got to cast off laziness, busyness, constantly putting our priorities before Jesus. Jesus is right there. He's saying, I want to talk with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to do stuff with you. I want to be involved in all the stuff you're doing. And we're like, hold on, Jesus. I'll get to you in a moment. I got to do this over here. I got to work on this over here. We put everything before him. We make everything else a higher priority than him. And that's a form of apathy. And we've got to deal with that. And if that's something you're struggling with, then get with the Lord and say, Lord, I want to get rid of this. I want to get rid of this apathetic way of of living my spiritual life. And he'll help you. He'll guide you. He'll lead you to, to where you need to go. The second is seeking repentance. Now, I think we always think of repentance as saying sorry for sin. I'm sorry, Lord, that I sinned. We, we have tied that word repent in with that. And that's part of it. Confessing our sins, confessing our disobedience, confessing our struggles is part of repentance. But there's more. Because repentance really means to turn. It means to turn our thoughts to start with, because everything starts with our thoughts. And all of our actions follow thoughts. So we've got to turn our thoughts first. We've got to turn our thoughts from whatever we were thinking about around to God. Because whatever we were thinking about is of the world. We're facing the wrong direction at that point in time. But we've got to make that turn. And we've got to do it in our mind first and then physically in our bodies. So we've got to make that shift right there. And that, that means turning from sin, obviously. Okay. But there's a lot of things that aren't really classified as sin, but they're kind of disobedience. When we start to put other things as a higher priority than Jesus, that's not necessarily sin, but it's a disobedience. It's a form of rebellion. And the Bible says that rebellion is like witchcraft. Wow. Wow, that's ugly. We don't want that, obviously. (laughs) We also have to turn from the squirrels of life, the shiny things of life. Ooh, look at that over there. Oh, squirrel. You know, I, I mean, that happens all day long and we lose our focus. I think so much of Peter. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Peter in the boat and Jesus comes walking out to the boat on water and at first they think it's a ghost they're like ah and then they realize it's Jesus and then Peter says Jesus if that's really you bid me come out to you and Jesus says come and Peter walks on water he he defies gravity and walks on water he's got his eyes locked in on Jesus And he's walking on water. And then what happens? Gets his eyes off of Jesus. Gets him on the storm. All the stuff that's going on. The shiny objects. The squirrels of life. And he begins to sink. And drown. But Jesus is right there. And he pulls him up. And he pulls him out. And that's what he does with us. So it's going to happen to us. But if we can limit that. If we can seek repentance there, 
change our thoughts, change our, our actions, our movement, and begin to move towards God and get our eyes locked on God, who knows what could happen? The impossible could happen. Things you can't even imagine could happen in your life if you were to do that. Number three, longing for purity. God wants us to live holy as He is holy. Now, He recognized that we couldn't do that. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us so that we could have Jesus' righteousness, His right relationship with God, His right way of living. We can live in Him. But we have to choose that. We have to choose to live in Him rather than walk in the flesh. We have to choose to walk in the Spirit rather than walk in the flesh. It's a choice. It's how we think. It's how we decide that moves our action from that point. Our longing for purity means, means that we long for it. Uh, the Bible says like the deer pants for water. If you've ever been in a situation where you've worked out in the hot sun or you've gone for a hike or you've gone for a walk or, or you've gone for a bike ride or something in the hot sun and you get so thirsty that you're just longing for the cool water. That's what he's talking about here is longing for that kind of purity in every area of life. It means paying attention to what we allow into our eye gates and what we allow into our ear gates because those are the things that are going to affect our thinking. What are we watching on TV? What are we watching on the internet? What are we looking at? What are we listening to? Who are we listening to? I think too often we look and listen too much to the world. We look and listen to other people too much. Even other Christians too much. And we don't listen and look for the Lord enough. We've been given the Bible. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We can tap into God anytime we want. He's right there. He's ready to listen to us. He's ready to answer our questions. He's ready to guide us. He's ready to lead us. We just have to let him. So number three is longing for purity. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for right living, for right relationship with Jesus. For they will be filled. Paul taught in Titus 2, 11 and 12, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Thank you, Jesus that he appeared and offered salvation for all people. Now, we have to receive it and accept it. It's a gift. You still have to take the gift when somebody offers it to you. And then it goes on to say, it teaches us, this grace, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. We've been taught, we know, we know what we're supposed to do. Whether we do it or not, that's, that's a different picture. Whether we choose to then, it goes on to say, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We have a choice. 
We get to decide. Number four, reverencing God's Word. We've got to quit treating the Bible like it's just another book. You know, it's not. It's not just another book. It may look like it. It has paper. It has ink. It has a cover. has a title on the cover. has words on the inside. But this is the living Word of God. We've got to start thinking of the Bible as the words of Jesus. John 1 says that Jesus, it says the Word was with God and the Word was God and everything was created by the Word spoken into existence. And then in verse 14 it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Wow! God became one of us and dwelt among us. What an incredible thing. That's what the Bible tells us. It tells us a story from Genesis to Revelation. And if you're not reading the whole Bible, you're missing the whole story. Read it from beginning to end every single word. I recommend that you read the Bible through every year. Read it from start to finish every year. Read it in a different translation. Read it in a different format. You will get amazing stuff out of it every year. Because the Bible contains the most important, life-changing words that you're ever going to read. There's no self-help book out there written by man that will ever change you. But the Bible will. There's no seminar you can go to that will ever change you. But the Bible will. There's no counselor out there. And there's nothing wrong with counselors. There's a time to go to them. But there's no counselor out there that can change you. But the Bible can. So get in the Word and revere the Word there. Revere it and do it. James says to be a doer of the Word, not a hearer only. It's one thing to read the Bible. It's a whole other thing to actually do what it says. The last one is crying out in prayer. Wholehearted prayer. Now, now I'm not talking about the... You know, God help me prayer, uh, God bring more money in prayer, you know, God, uh, you know, give me a better job prayer. I'm talking about the wholehearted God, I want to know you like Moses prayed. Moses prayed, I want to know you, show me your glory. And God had already told man that you can't see me. If you see me, you'll die. And Moses didn't care. He's like, I want to see you. I don't care if I die. I want to see you. I want to know you. It even says that the word that is used as know, knowing God is a, an intimate word, the kind of intimacy that a husband and wife has together. That's the level of knowing that Moses had with God. It says that God spoke with Moses as a friend. Called him friend. Don't you want God to say that about you? Yeah. He, she is my friend. That comes from intimacy. Cry out in prayer. Uh, In Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If you study that deeper, it really says, Ask and keep asking. It says, Seek and keep seeking. It says, Knock and keep knocking. 
Seek Him with your whole heart and continue seeking Him until you get that level of intimacy. Knock at heaven's door until He answers. And you can sit with Him and He will sit with you. Ask for spiritual hunger, greater intimacy, and just keep asking until you get there. We've got to make a formal decision to pursue God until we find Him deeply. And out of, out of this deep, intimate relationship with the Lord will come our intimacy with each other. It just comes natural at that point. We don't have to work at it. We get intimate with the Lord. We get to that place where we are spending time with Him in intimacy with Him. It just spills out of us. And we will have those intimate relationships with each other. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You have taught us everything we need to know. Everything we need to live this life is in Your Word. And we thank You, Holy Spirit, that You guide us in the Word. That You liven it to us. You make it feel like and seem like it's actually Jesus sitting there with us, sharing a parable, sharing a story, telling about how much He loves us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God, that You loved us so much that You created this world for us. And when we messed it up, You sent Your only Son to die for us. What an amazing thing that is. Lord, we want intimacy with you. We seek that in this house. We seek that in our worship. We seek that in our personal time. We seek that as we're walking around. We seek that as we're working. We seek that as we're, we're doing things with our family. We seek intimacy with you. We want to know you the way that Moses knew you. And we ask for that. In Jesus' name, we ask for that kind of intimacy that will then flow through us into intimacy with other people. And we thank you that your word tells us that if we ask, we can know that you hear us and that you will answer that prayer. And so those who ask will receive. So we thank you, Lord, for greater intimacy in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I, I wanted to add one last thing before I invite Pastor John up to do our ministry time. And that's that there may be some of you here that you heard that, that sermon and, and you thought, but I don't even really know this Jesus. I, I, I've heard about him, but I don't really know him. And I've never had that opportunity. And so we want to give you that opportunity today. If there's anyone here who has never received Jesus as your Savior. Now, we all know that, that we've all sinned and fall short of God, the glory of God. Not, none, of us, none of us can save ourselves through our actions or through anything we do. Only Jesus can save us. And, and we know that God loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us, to take our sins on the cross so that we could be saved. And we could have right relationship with Jesus. 
Those are the things that we know. It's a gift of grace. God's grace. We, we deserve punishment. We've done bad stuff. We deserve punishment. But God gives us grace instead. And he, and he hands a gift box out to you and says, here's my son. Here's my son. All you've got to do is receive him as your Savior, as your Lord. And we can have right relationship together. And we can spend eternity together. And so, if, you've, if you have never done that before, if you've never publicly confessed and asked Jesus to become your Savior, this is your time. Don't wait. Don't wait. We don't know when we're going to die. And we definitely need to do this before we die. You don't get another chance after you die. You might get a chance on your deathbed, but you might not get that chance. There might not be a deathbed. Yeah, there might be an accident down in the street as you're going home from church. So now's the time. So is there anyone here who would be bold enough to say, I need to do that. I need to accept Jesus as my Savior. I need to make Him Lord of my life so that I can have this intimate relationship. If that's you, raise your hand. Be bold and raise your hand. Awesome. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see that hand. Awesome. Thanks for listening to AZ Vineyard Church's podcast. We're located in Goodyear, Arizona. To learn more about our church, visit our website, azvineyard.com. That's A-Z-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D.com. 